the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 3, it's a delight to bring back Mr. Brandon Weikert. You can follow him on Twitter, X, Twix, at We, the Brandon. His books, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. How are you doing, Brandon? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing okay myself. And I'm trying to figure out a few things is as to whether they're asterisks and one-offs or if they're the beginning of something. Let me start with what's going on at our colleges and universities since the testimony of those three blind mice from last week. <laughs> and then we'll get to the border. Is something happening? Are people waking up to the problem of DEI and the anti-Western curricula uh, campaigns? Or is it going to be a temporary excitation in a week? Everything will be forgotten. I, you know, I wish I could say this was some great sea change, but um, I don't believe. I think these are three sacrificial lambs they're throwing to the wolves in order to sate them. And then that will allow for the news cycle to shift to something more amenable to the Democrats. Um, The problem is the conservative movement failed to stay competitive and to stay involved in the campus for three generations now. This is similar to the complaint that I have had about how the conservative movement abandoned labor unions to the left. Right. Um, and for three generations now, you know, we now have these very powerful organizations that are exclusively arms of the Democratic Party, the far left. Um, and so getting rid of three college presidents and a couple of trustees here and there um, that is not going to really change the culture on campus. And what's going to change the culture on campus is a universal refusal by the usual donors to give money to these campuses. And while there have been some donors who've held back in response to the recent events in Israel and how the campuses have responded, uh, being pro-Hamas, um, you don't really see a starvation of these organizations in terms of donor money. So until that happens, that's all. This is all for show. Someone I was talking to this morning uh, back east said what we saw with the testimony was that these institutions are rotten and fish rots from the head down. We saw the top of the head uh, last week. But the truth is, going a bit to what you were saying, the entire entirety of all of these institutions are rotten. It's not just yeah. the top anymore. And, and actually, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go, yeah. No, no, you no, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. You, you, you well, take the point. This, you take the point. Actually, this is sort of, and we keep coming back to this every few months, I think, as a, as a movement, and certainly in our conversations, you and I, this is sort of the thrust of why uh, a, a completely imperfect human being like Donald Trump, why he has become the chieftain yeah. of this movement, right. at least on the right, this populist movement, it's a reaction to fail, consistently failed leadership and consistently failed 
institutions. These people, including myself as well, we feel that we have nowhere left to turn to in terms of the institutions, that they've all either been hijacked or so badly made inept that they're useless to the ordinary American. So we're looking for other things. And this is why people like Donald Trump, as imperfect as they are, have sort of found, you know, great prosperity in this political moment because they are so far detached from the institutions and the usual suspects. And this college example of the pro-Hamas movement, not just at the top, but to the very bottom throughout, yeah, Yeah. freshmen, that this is yet another example of why people like Donald Trump don't go away, why they are so prevalent today and their popularity is still so dominant at least with a large segment of the population you know it's an interesting point so we're looking at him as a hercules to clean out these augean stables in a sense i suppose um imperfect as he is your words and well 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 put words at that and you know i don't know that he i realize can... there are people who will quibble with that but yeah I, no I, no I no i yes of course but <laughs> Under the guise that we're all imperfect, <laughs> okay. None in of the us, parlance of our time. in the parlance of our times, that none of us is perfect. Yes, no, but that's right. David Galerner at Yale put it in 2016 that he's the gin bottle we're throwing through the broken glass yeah. window, and yeah. and and nothing else has worked. I mean, that's kind of the point. He drives them nuts in a way no one else can. But no one else we've put up really works. No one else really tends to do it. Now, Ron DeSantis has in Florida. It just doesn't look like it's going to happen nationally. Not not yet. Right. And it'll be interesting to see if he could have fixed the new college. That'll be an interesting test case. Well, that's just 20 minutes north of me. And I've been watching very, very, very closely what's going on with that. And it's very impressive. Um, You know, they they definitely are shaping out to be the Hillsdale of the South, which is good. But you know what that story tells me, Brandon, when he reformed New College and kicked out the board and put in his board, you know, you saw how crazy everyone went about that. That that should tell you something. They think they own and should own these institutions. They think they're theirs, right? Well, just look. listen to how they talk about us, yeah. about the right. Yeah. They not only think they own the institutions and they're entitled to them, they think they have they own morality, yeah. that this is a Manichian struggle yeah. between good and evil, yeah. and we are evil, and they will do whatever it takes to destroy us, yeah. including violent and perpetrate violent acts upon us right. and frame us and, and make up stories about us in order to delegitimize our movement. I yeah. mean, how many fake stories have mainstream media news organizations, so-called, run with and had to walk back weeks and months after ginning up a crowd because it turns out, oh, it wasn't quite true, but they wanted it to be true because it conformed with their preferred narrative that we are evil and the bad guys, and they are, of course, always the good guys, the white knights. And there's no limit to it. I mean, I was just talking the other week, I just to take a silly one, but it had currency, and I think it got someone a book contract, the story of that one assistant who, who said someone saw Donald Trump try and take over the driver's steering wheel. Yeah. yeah, I mean, on January 6th. I mean, it's absurd from from the beginning to the end. It's absurd. But from the beginning, the idea that Donald Trump would leap over and and commandeer the the limo. But it got currency. People bought it. 
Right, especially because the person who wrote the book wasn't actually there. <laughs> it was all second and third hand yeah. stories that Cassidy Hutchin was told That's by it. Tony Ornato and yeah. And and furthermore, the Secret Service agents, whether you believe them or not, categorically deny it. Right. And furthermore, if you look at the vehicle that he was traveling in, the president, the SUV, which she erroneously called the Beast, it's right. not the Beast. Right. Um, it's it's an armored SUV. It's a it's a suburban. Yeah. Uh, he was sitting behind the driver. And the, dry, the it's a it's a good distance away from the steering wheel, and he would have had to go not only over the Secret Service agent, but he would have had to go beyond the the thick chair in front of him. I mean, the whole thing was ridiculous. It's completely uncredible, and yet it had purchase. Right. To, to yet, your point, is all I'm saying. Biden, yeah, and without getting scoffs and guffaws from the so-called elites in our midst, right. how dare you bring that up? It's all it's all Russian disinformation. Even as there are now reams of evidence indicating that, no, actually, this really happened. And at the very least, Biden's family members, I still think Biden himself, but at the very least, Biden's family members have for years been trading on um, Joe Biden's, um, uh, you know, uh, political career with foreign actors. Is Joe Biden going to, is any of this going to attach to him? Because the stuff that they're saying about Joe Biden via Hunter is much more credible than the stuff they were saying about Donald Trump. I mean, oh, much, it's much more, more credible. credible. Yeah, yeah, it's infinitely more credible. Remember, they impeached Donald Trump on a very thin uh, 2019 phone call right. with Volodymyr Zelensky, right? And that look at what that did for the left. It energized them. They got what six months to a year out of that. It was a complete fabrication. Um, it was a nothing burger, and they knew it was a nothing burger, and they ran with it. This is all that they had. And it's and it's just interesting that now you know the the oversight committee has tranches of evidence showing the illicit behavior of Hunter Biden and by extension his father's involvement in those illicit dealings and yet we dare not even say this in polite society right. lest we be called conspiracy theorists will they this this you know come to pass where Biden is held accountable I, I have very deep suspicions that the GOP is not a serious party. I have deep suspicions that they are a controlled opposition, at least in D.C. Um, and so I think they're going to they're going to use this impeachment fiasco to generate a lot of interest from donors and to fund campaigns and to get themselves money up there. But are they going to actually pull the trigger on impeachment? I don't know. I let me know. let me pick I, up on that with you on the other side. I want to talk to you about the GOP being unserious. Um a little bit more about that. Let me take a quick break. Brandon Weikert is, I guess, he and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Brandon Weikert is my guest. You can follow him on Twix, Twitter X, at we the Brandon. Brandon, you were making the point that the GOP may not be or is not a serious uh, party. It's controlled opposition. I'm hearing more and more of that. Uh, go with that thought yeah. a little bit more, if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, basically, you look at what the Democrats did, not just with the uh, aforementioned Ukraine impeachment lie, but also with the whole Russia collusion delusion that most of them knew full well was a complete fabrication. It was something concocted by a sore losing Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama to sort of feed the beast because Trump had so thoroughly beaten these people in 2016 that if they didn't concoct something, some crazy conspiracy theory about Trump being a Russian asset, that the Republicans were going to run circles around the Democrats. 
And so they came up with this whole story about him being a Russian spy in the back pocket of Putin because he made a couple of comments about how he wanted to do a deal with Putin, which is no different than what Barack Obama said in 2008, by the way. Um, and that suddenly became the basis of this whole conspiracy theory, uh, which was used to fan the flames of partisan rancor, which kept the left going. Had they not had Russian collusion delusion, they would have fallen apart as a movement the same way they fell apart in the face of Ronald Reagan in the 1980s. But that lie, and they knew it was a lie, and they weaponized the tools of statecraft and intelligence gathering and law enforcement. The Democrats were able to weaponize all those things against the president, Trump, and they basically kept doing that for the entirety of the four years. And what did the Republicans do during that time? There were some honorable people like Devin Nunes who tried to stand up and fight the good fight. But since Donald Trump wasn't a member of the club, most of the people in D.C. who were Republicans were more than happy to not only look the other way while the Democrats ran roughshod over Trump's presidency from day one, but they actually were helping the Democrats to undermine and sap the presidency. The GOP is not a real party. It's three or four movements into one. Reagan was able to keep them all together. Donald Trump, because Trump isn't nice to them and he doesn't, he's not a happy warrior and he, he, he goes out of his way to micturate on the fire hydrants, uh, he tends to upset these people. So they divide and they try to basically undermine him as they are still doing today. Uh, and the Republican Party operates in that way, as, as we've talked about, the Uniparty, or as I like to say, the Rodina Party. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Rodina Party, but that was a party that Vladimir Putin created when he first rose to power in the Russian Duma, which is their Congress, their parliament. And it was basically a party of pro-Putin people who acted like they hated Putin, and they acted as crazy as they could. They put forward the most insane, unpassable bills so that Putin could then walk in and go, you better side with me because these people are nuts. And that's exactly what the Republican Party anymore operates like. They don't operate, and talk about the ones in D.C., they don't operate like an actual opposition. Any true opposition party would have impeached Joe Biden two years ago with no questions asked the same way the Democrats did to Trump. Yeah, I, it sometimes feels like we don't have a serious Congress and that if we were to point to one, it was kind of what Newt Gingrich was able to do when we kind of felt like we had them on the run and we don't. Right. It kind of feels like they always have us on the run. Because How, they have yeah. fellow travelers yes. running Well, the that's where I was going. You read my mind. Right. Yeah, you read my mind. So there was a report this morning that Mitt Romney th – is int yeah right you saw it intimating he could vote for joe biden chris christie would probably you mean he did it before I, i'm sure he did i'm sure he did uh, uh chris christie how much of a fly on the ointment or a spoiler will that part of the party be well clearly the, the reason they're acting so bitter is because i think they know fundamentally they, they don't carry a lot of weight and i mean you know christie obviously is a very large man but in terms of political uh, you know, capital, they don't carry a lot of weight, particularly Mitt Romney. Um, th th these are not serious players in the Republican Party in terms of galvanizing support. And we saw that with Mitt Romney's two presidential bids. I mean, what an embarrassment. What a, what a fiasco, um, particularly 2012, which I think any other candidate that year could have won, including Rick Santorum, 
Uh, but but Romney just blew it because he's too soft. Um, and it's the same but, thing. But we with, do uh, we do we do as a party have a problem. I I've been wrestling with it here in Arizona on some more uh, local races. But we do have a problem in the party where we we just don't unite at the time of the general. There's just too many yeah. well, self yeah. self important. There's I mean, too much self importance. I mean, you know what's going on with me right now professionally is, you know, I'm experiencing that. They, right. the Republicans eat your own. I right. mean, if, you, if you're not all for one candidate, um, suddenly if you need a job or you're looking for, you know, to move on in your career, yeah. suddenly it's like, well, I'm sorry. You, and it's, the Democrats don't do that. Yeah. Right? The Bernie bros that were very pro-Bernie. Oh, they, yeah. They all know, staffed they, the administration. All, yep. That's right. Um, it's like they don't care. At the end of the day, it's all about the movement and the party. Right. And this has always been the Republican Party's greatest weakness right. is that the Republicans eat their own and they don't unite around a candidate in a general election. Right. And that is my worry with Trump or DeSantis is that whoever wins this primary, um, and it's probably going to be Trump at this point, whoever wins it, anybody who is affiliated with DeSantis, myself included, we are now on a blacklist Correct. and we will never be allowed to contribute, even though we bring a lot to the table. Sure, sure, of course. Um, and, and and vice versa. I've seen it all the time. Exactly. And, and, and just remember, Kellyanne Conway and Steve Bannon were diehard Ted Cruz people. Okay, at the beginning, right? right. And and they they came around, and and they were welcomed, rightly so, and they did a lot of good in 2016. So it shouldn't be this, you're either with us or against us mentality. It should be, if you're MAGA, then you're welcome. If you're not MAGA, regardless of who you supported, Santos or Trump, if you're not MAGA, that's when we start getting a little skeptical about you. Yeah, no, I think that's right, and 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 you can see it too. There's something about having worked for Trump that casts a pall. Should it go the other way, I don't think it will because I'm with you. I just don't see how he loses the primary at this point. I I just can't. Yeah, I I, I can't. I still think he's going to lose Iowa, though. I still think. I oh, still do think you? Okay. Is, I still think he'll win. I still think he'll lose Iowa, but that doesn't mean anything. No one he, who's Trump won Iowa ever. Done. Yeah, that doesn't. Right. He's never done well in Iowa because right. it's a totally different system. Yeah. It's a caucus system. Yeah. And you know, he, it's not his style. No. And so he's not able to do it. But I think New Hampshire and South Carolina, the next two after Iowa, very competitive for Trump. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But I I think that Trump will ultimately probably at this rate get the Republican nomination. Whether he wins in general, I don't know. But he looks like he's going to be the nominee. Yeah, I I would say the same. All right, let's do some foreign policy after the commercial break. Is that okay with you? That's fine with me. Brandon Weikert is our guest, by the way, author of several books, Christmas is Coming, Not Too Late to Buy Books as Gifts, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Uh, Brandon Weikert is our guest. I got thrown off by the music a little bit. I love it. I love that. That's wonderful. Who is it? I I it, I don't know Brandon. Can you name that trumpeter? I, I it went by a little fast for me. Was that Wayne Bush? I, I you know I've heard that piece before, but I'm ashamed to that say Christmas I usually for really with stuff like that. Yeah, was that Christmas was that? for moderns? I think it might have been. Okay, I got a double check. I've huh? heard this many times Jury's before. Out. I just I, I, yeah. David I, likes to you know David. He likes to um he, he likes to stump throw me. Some curveball. Yeah, he does, and he gets one through one out of ten. Maybe he's got a. 
He's got about a ten percent batting average. Well, like I always say, I, you, you come for the uh, you come for the the show. Yeah, but you stay for the music. Yeah, right? you come for the talk, you stay for the music. <laughs> Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you flagged something uh, a mutual friend, Gordon Chang, was saying. Um, yeah. The administration is allowing the potential for another nine eleven type attack on American soil. And uh, you think about this. You think about what 19 men with $500,000 could do. Yeah. You look at what's taking place on our border. I was down there about three weeks ago, two and a half, three weeks ago. It's incredible, Brandon. And, you know, you've talked about the Afghanistan, Afghanis and the Iranians and the Syrians that are coming right. through. The group I saw was mostly West Africa, still majority yep. Muslim countries, young men. I, I mean, it's... It's odd. It's odd that we read these reports. They're making news. We get the news of 30 on the terrorism watch list being detained. And there's just this kind of blithe attitude about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, More than that, and I don't know, maybe I relayed this to you already, um, but a few weeks ago I was uh, at Edwards Air Force Base and I was flying back to Florida and I flew out of LAX and I had a layover in Charlotte. North Carolina. On my LAX flight, it was weird. We were waiting forever to leave the actual jetway, and I thought maybe there was something wrong with the airplane. But as soon as this guy walked on and sat next to me, he was clearly a only Spanish speaker. He looked very looked very like he he looked dirty and very like he had just come across the border. Well, I looked down at, beside me, and the, the stewardesses were all sort of hovering around him and taking care of him. He had an envelope with the Department of Homeland Security's logo on it, and it was very obvious. He, he did not know what was going on. But, and when I landed at Charlotte, I texted my friend, who used to be Customs and Border Patrol, and I told him what I saw. And he said, yeah, he goes, it's so bad now. We're giving uh, one-way tickets to any destination in the United States that any illegal who we capture at the border. We're giving them taxpayer-funded trips to any city in the U.S. with a court date seven years in the future. And so this guy on my flight was yep. clearly one of those people. Yep. And so it's not only that we're just blasé about it. We are now, as a matter of policy, the United States government is taking our tax dollars right. and using it to purchase flights for anybody we capture at the border. Yep. Rather than send them back, yep. we're giving them a court date seven years in the future yep. in some cases yep. and telling them, yeah, pick your And we're giving them a little bit of money, too. I don't know if you knew that. We're that's giving them right. walking around well, money, I'm too. Yeah. Was in the envelope. Yeah. That was what yeah. I'm assuming. And yeah. so that's then, then now that guy was clearly, I think, just an economic migrant. But now you talk about these Iranians, you talk about these Chinese. Imagine what those individuals are doing here. Many of them are military aged males. Many of the Chinese that we captured, there's a video online of uh, dozens of Chinese military aged males, and they're standing in a line in front of the CPP uh, at the border, and they're all standing at what looks like parade rest, yeah. which is a military posture, while the CBP in- inspects them. And so I think we're being infiltrated, and I think not only are we letting it happen, our government, but they're in some cases supporting it. Yeah. Yes, I believe that to be the case, too. And you look at, for example, what's going on. I miss mean tweets. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. But you know what? For like a good 50 percent of the electorate, they think that's worse. They really they do. They think they right. think Donald Trump plus border yeah. security oh, is worse than no Donald Trump and no border security. They really oh, think that. I know. 
They, they really do. do. And it, well, it's also because it's a psychosis. It's, because me, it's a psychosis, but also many of those voters don't live near the border. Or if they do live near the border, they're so wealthy, they live in an enclave like Nancy Pelosi does in San Francisco, where most of the time they're kept away from the riffraff, most of the time. Most of the time. Let me talk to you about China now. Uh, When we come back, this piece in the Washington Post, you flag China's cyber army invading critical U.S. services, too. I mean, the dangers are at every direction. Uh, Brandon Weikert, and I'll be right back. Welcome welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert is my guest. Follow him on Twix, Twitter X, at WeTheBrandon. Brandon, these things, they just are coming from all directions. Washington Post had a piece you flagged. China's cyber army is invading critical U.S. uh, services. I'll just give you the first sentence. The Chinese military is ramping up its ability to disrupt key American infrastructure including power and water utilities, as well as communications and transportation systems, according to U.S. officials and industry security officials. If we had read that story in 1985, let us say, or 1983 about the Soviet Union, that would be everywhere. There, there would be no other journalistic organization that didn't want to follow up and tack onto that story, and there would right. be no one not talking about it. Right. Right. Um, it just shows you how bad the situation has gotten. Of course, the key thing also, though, is in 1985, for both, you know, we, we both parties had, the Republicans had Reagan, and the Democrats had people like Tip O'Neill yeah. and Scoop Jackson, yeah. who were adults. Yeah. And so, you know, nothing has really changed in the sense of all the threats. Yeah. The United States in the modern age, actually, if you go back to when we first broke away from Britain, the United States has had to deal with a sundry level of threats. Um, but we've always had sound, stable leadership mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we haven't had the right leader, we've been able to pretty quickly correct in an election year. But now it seems to be getting more and more difficult to make that correction. Um, whether you believe 2020 was rigged or not, the fact of the matter is 2020 was a terrible example of America getting it wrong, not just because we elected Joe Biden, but because clearly – the candidates we put forward were not the best of the best. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, my fear is it's going to be the same thing in 24. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it, it, but my point is, is that we used to be able to say there are a lot of threats, but there are good, smart, capable men and women with their hand on the wheel who they're going to try to get it right. You can no longer say that about the Biden administration. Mm-hmm. You cannot. It is not only abject incompetence that they display, but there also does seem to be on some of these key issues, malign intention, malign intention in the sense that look at the Middle East. Trump had the Middle East right. The first president in 30 years to have the Middle East right. But because Trump had it right, Biden came in and automatically, as well as ideologically, automatically, though, he re it because orange man bad. Okay, Trump had this country protected for the most part with his policies for those four years he was in office. But because it was Trump, Biden and the Democrats, without even factoring in their ideology, Biden and the Democrats are going to automatically undo everything that he did simply because he did it. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is not an adult. That is not a, a rational, sober leader. That is a child. That is someone very dangerous. And so I don't think America has ever had a leadership, a lack of leadership, rather, like we had even during the Carter years, we we did not have this level of malignant incompetence. 
sometimes I will get a caller here and there uh, that will say it's being done deliberately. And I can't tell. I, I you That's know, what I'm saying. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I can't tell if it's deliberate in the sense of just wanting to pay off an ideological wing. I'm not sure if it's deliberate because they just kind of hope for the best. I'm not sure if it's deliberate in that it's an incompetence. Yeah. At the, I think it's, I, all it, it. it's all I think of it's it, all isn't of it? Above. Yeah, it's really all of it the. Depends above. on the. It depends on the situation, and also you have to remember, it depends on who we're talking about in the administration. Right. Because Joe Biden is not really the guy in charge. Right. The people right. around him, and they're crazy, young, mostly millennial. Uh, you know, there are no adults in the room. Very few. There are no adults. Very few. I Ron can think Klain. Of. Right. Ron Klain was known to scream at Republican senators, like get in their face. I'd start screaming at what's the one from Alaska, Murkowski, yeah. or the one from Maine, yeah. the, the Senator um, Susan Collins. Collins right. Apparently, the first week in office, Ron Klain hijacked a meeting between Biden and Collins and Murkowski, and Ron Klain was screaming so loudly at the two of them in their face that spittle was flying from his mouth to, to Collins's face. They wow. didn't know what to do. Wow. That's who's, that was their chief of staff. That was supposedly the wise man behind Biden. I mean, that's what you're dealing with. So it's not only deranged ideology, it's also incompetence from Biden. It's also, uh, you know, absolute uh, just 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 radical inexperience from the younger members of the administration, all congealing so that we're dropping the ball. And you mentioned something else I want to just comment on. You're yeah. right. You're right about this. The, the fact is, I think a lot of these Democrats have boxed themselves in. Yeah ideologically, yeah. and they know they've boxed themselves yeah. in, so they are hoping for the best, because if they go back on their ideology, then the, the that's right, they yeah. can't, because the, the squad will go after them, yeah. and those type of Democrats. It's like Arafat so making peace, that just it ends them, you right. know? It's, it's, they're hoping it's for a, the best. Yeah. They're hoping right. that, oh, we can get out of office and get out of Dodge right. before the real, you know, the, the real crap fan. You know, it's just, it dawns on me, you were talking about the administration, you were talking about Ron Klain. You know, in almost any other administration, I could say to this audience and any reporter or any radio host could probably say to any audience, uh, who is the president's chief of staff? If I were to say it now, no one knows who it is. It's Jeff Zeitz. It's not a name anyone right. knows. And it's weird. It's weird. Right. The president's chief of staff is usually right. a well-known figure. No one knows who that is. No one could have come the, up with that see, name. It works in their favor. Yeah. So it works in their favor to have these unknowns because yeah. also, let's face it, yeah. the people who are named as running things are not actually running things. They're, they're young and inexperienced, and they're simply an avatar for somebody more experienced, usually connected to Obama world, like a Susan Rice, like a Valerie Jarrett, yeah. like a John Kerry, right. like a Ron Klain. Right. Okay? And it's easier for these people to not be in public policy positions, because then they have to answer either to voters or to the Congress. It's easier for them to have these cutouts that they can just tell them what to do without any accountability. It's anti-democratic. November can't get here soon enough, man. Actually, yeah. a year from January can't get here soon enough. Yeah, that's right. Got All right, Brandon Weicker, God, God bless you. Thank you so much. Okay. Again, his books, sure. Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. And if you want to be smart, you'll read those books. If you want to create smartness, you'll give away those books as gifts. And if you want to keep up with him on a daily basis, please do so at Twitter X or Twix at we. The Brandon Weikert is W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. Thanks, Brandon. 
Talk to you later. All right. Talk to you soon. I just love this song. I just love the idea. Of it's pretty it's, good. It, have you had you known it before? No, not before you. Really? No. Yeah, you introduced it to me. It's so much fun. It's really good. The Royal Guardsman. Who doesn't like Snoopy? Of course, we're going to have to do a uh, a Peanuts rendering of Christmas too with Linus reading Luke when the time comes. It will be appropriate. Char- Charles yes. Schultz made that. Charles Schultz made that imperative. He was going to yank the special if they cut it, and they were trying to cut it. You know that story? Yeah. It's a beautiful story. I have a biography. You know what I'm going to do? Do you have any, do you, do you have any, like, are you in town for the whole holiday? Well, I'm, I'm, I'll be away. You yeah. will be? I have a biography of Charles Schultz I've been meaning to read for, like, two years. I'm going to read that during Christmas break. I might be around for New Year's. You might be? Yeah. Jean Kirkpatrick, when she was um, when she was uh, up 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 before the Senate in 1981 in her confirmation hearing to become the the uh, the ambassador to the United Nations, said, "Peace, I believe, is one of mankind's oldest dreams and most elusive goals, like love, freedom, and justice. It is more often invoked." than achieved, more often wished for than worked for. But peace is not won by wishing. It is won by the painstaking construction of institutions. And if I could kind of, the reason I was thinking about that is people, you know, talk about ceasefires, they talk about peace, they talk about peaceful solutions. It's not done by the snap of a finger, and it's not done just because someone wishes for it or says something about wanting it. It is really what Brandon was talking about in our earlier part of the conversation, which is about the entire edifice and structure of the institutions that we build or that are designed to uphold, maintain things like peace, things like freedom, things like justice, things like education. Go back to my opening monologue. And all of these institutions have been taken over, all of them, by the relativists, by the nihilists, and by the Marxists. And if you want to know why things are so hard to achieve, things the desiderata of man's oldest dreams, as Jean Kirkpatrick put it, peace, love, freedom, justice, that's why. That's exactly why. You can't have normative absolutes like love, freedom, and justice, and peace when the institutions tasked with creating them or maintaining them are nihilistic, relativistic, and Marxism and Marxist. That's the problem. You can't stick an apple pie to a wall no matter how much glue you use. Yeah, right. I know. We'll end the show there. <laughs> Until tomorrow. God bless you all. I'm Seth Leibson and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.